It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running on this 27th day of November 2023. This is the Horn. Head on live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza. It is the Horn chat room, the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All time zones in between in the great globe round. And where if you pop into the chat room right now and you're listening live, you'll be greeted by Anatole and Squeaky. And capably moderated by Horn Chief Agronomist, Chief Mathematician, and Bud Trimmer Emeritus, as well as fermentation expert Roger in Oregon. And I'm in there too, but, well, don't count on me to be doing much in the chat room because I'm busy doing stuff here, like, you know, on air. Hi, I'm Robin. It is Moran Monday on the Horn. <sighs> There's nothing like a long holiday weekend to bring out the Moranity in folks and Wowzer. We're good to go. But every program here at the Horn begins with begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. And so as a consequence, we begin with thanks to our 27th, 26th, and 25th day of the month subscribers over at... Uh, over at PayPal, and that means thank you ever so kindly. Uh, to Emilio, uh, there are no subscribers on the 27th, by the way, so if anybody would like to be one, um, you can be the uh, lone subscriber for the 27th of the month, but thank you to Emilio and thank you to Ralph's. And thanks as well to uh, uh, Peter. And thank you to Mark. Thank you, uh, uh, Marsha, by the way. Marsha jumped in uh, on Friday after the program. Thank you so very much for being, all being partial sponsors of the program and helping to keep this little independent, non-capitalist, non-commercial attempt at broadcasting on the air. So, uh, where we are, uh, we got, uh, we've got uh, $1,200 to go to finish the month of November fully funded, and get this, 
I had a note from a kind anonymous internet friend. Some people just don't like their n names associated with it. And I get that. I get that. I like to thank people, but if you don't if you don't want your name used, that's cool. But our kind anonymous internet friend said uh, it's a holiday season two for one tripling challenge, and uh, this is the exact language. Uh, there's a fifteen hundred there's fifteen hundred dollars on the table for the rest of November in a holiday season two for one tripling challenge. Up to $750 raised brings in an additional up to $1,500 of instant cash. Instant cash. Just ad hot radio. Oh, uh, but seriously, that's a chance for us to finish November fully funded and start December with a clean slate. I can't. I can't overexpress or overestimate how fantastic that is. So if we raise 750 bucks between now and Thursday's program we finish November fully funded thank you thank you so much kind internet friend and hopefully that will be a thing that happens so this being more in Monday uh, wait oh I yeah it's uh, cyber Monday too I guess in out in, out in shopping land. But, no, it's <laughs> it's still Moran Monday, y'all. Oh, my God, it's so Moran Monday. And we've got, we've got some uh, pretty high-quality nominees for this Moran Monday. So I think we would do well to, uh, you know, do the full Moran Monday shtick. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land. You know, morons. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Step right up. You will not believe your ears. It's Moran Monday on the horn. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We've got it all right here. Just bare steps away from the Carnival Midway, where just moments ago you were uh, futilely spending money and, uh, in, a, in a vain attempt to throw a ping-pong ball, make it last uh, fall in a small goldfish bowl, and take home a precious baby iguana. Uh-huh, it's Moran Monday on the horn. Yes, yes, every, you know, every, uh, every week, Moran Monday. Uh, it comes to another, uh, another off-Midway, not off-Broadway, but off-Midway location. We set up the, uh, we set up the Moran Monday tent, and behind these thin cybernetic walls, y'all, reside all manner of Morans. Yes, we're talking... Earthers, deathers, ninthers, tenthers, birchers, booger eaters, libertarians, chimpan, trumpanzees, maggots, republicans, one and all, and occasional other members of uh, uh, potential moranity. We have one of those this evening. Uh-huh. We certainly do. And for the folks who like to keep the Moran Monday Circus traveling, well, it sets them back something like... Uh, Oh, less than a, uh, not quite an entire half a stick of Wrigley's gum. 
unpaid product placement there, y'all, per program. That's a $10 a month subscriber, and we we need subscribers on the 27th of the month because we have none. Well... Uh, that 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 makes sure that the Moran Monday traveling review continues along its merry way. For behind these thin cybernetic veils of canvas, oh my goodness gracious, as I've noted. But there is always a warning that accompanies Moran Monday, and in this case, it still applies. Anyone entering the Moran Monday tent is advised to keep a close eye and another hand on watches, rings, jewelry, bracelets, piercings. Hell, the Morans would probably try to lick the tattoos right out of your skin. Children, pets, even that precious little iguana you won throwing ping pong balls at goldfish bowls. Keep a a close watch on all of them, because the Morans can be grabby. Head for the hills, or you'll be up to your armpits in Moran's. It's absolutely true. Uh, I don't wish I was kidding, because every now and then we need a reminder of just how toxic, how dumb, how utterly stupid, how remorselessly ignorant the right wing in this country truly is. I mean... We're talking about, and I used this phrase on Friday, talking to John Bridabo. We're talking about couldn't pour piss out of a boot with directions on the heel, stupid. The visual image always gives me a chuckle, but, you know, I'm funny that way. But let's start, do, let's start in the uh, halls of Congress. It was kind of a coin toss for this here Moran Monday, but the halls of Congress it went out. He's gone, but not forgotten. I'm talking, of course, about former Squeaker of the House. Hi, Sylvie. uh, Craven McCarthy, who took to to, um, uh, that uh, gross website that used to be known as Twitter last night, Sunday night. And it's, it's hard to tell exactly what his point was. Maybe, maybe, maybe in his own twisted way, he was trying to support a two-state solution for Palestine. Don't know. But he made a statement, and the, a... Let's put it this way. A historicity. That was a mouthful. Is 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 something for which uh, right wingers, Republicans, you know, um, tea baggers, maggots have long been known for. They've got, for instance, uh, the that that uh, pathetic old fraud David Barton over at an outfit called wall builders, and that man's been lying for at least a quarter century about American history. So anytime anytime a Republican starts talking about American history, you can almost be guaranteed that it ain't going to be actual American history. 
What do I mean? Well, this was the tweet. Shit on Shitter from Sunday night that, <laughs> that, that provided such a brilliant demonstration of how damn dumb Kevin McCarthy is. And I quote, Think for one moment. In every single war that America has fought, we have never asked for land afterward, except for enough to bury the Americans who gave the ultimate sacrifice for freedom. Hmm. Any, any, any part about that strike you as, I don't know, wrong? Dumb? Stupid? Ahistorical? I mean, the minute the minute I saw this, it was like, what, oh, what, Bob? Hold on. What's the hubbub? Bub? The the very history of the colonization of this hemisphere by white people is a history of demanding land after some sort of conflict. We just got done celebrating Thanksgiving. And I'm, I'm sure nobody talked about this over on, say, Fox News TV Radio Rwanda or Newsmuck or any of those other right-wing info sewers. But the very first Thanksgiving proclamation was issued by, what was his name, uh, William Bradford, up in that place referred to by Southerners who can't pronounce real good things real good, as Massachusetts. Don't ask. They also say Illinois. But William Bradford, as governor of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, issued a... Proclamation of Thanksgiving, because, of course, he was a theocratic asshole, along with all the other theocratic assholes who had arrived on the Mayflower in 1620. But it was phrased as something like a declaration of thanksgiving to Almighty God, to delivering to us good God-fearing white people, a victory over the barbaric heathen savages. It, because, see, the uh, if, if I recall correctly, and I'm just doing this from memory, uh, a bunch of those white folks had gone out and just slaughtered the living bejesus out of the locals and then took their shit, which included their land. Kevin McCarthy... So I don't know if you want to cut if you want to cut Kevers some slack, you can say, well, we didn't. No, no, they didn't demand the land; they just went and took it. I mean, there's so much of a difference. But that's just the beginning. Consider ooh, the Trail of Tears. Thousands of indigenous people 
slaughtered on the whim of a genocidal maniac who was president of the United States, Andrew Jackson. By the way, Andrew Jackson is Netwit Nero's favorite president because he killed lots and lots of people. So that's North Carolina, South Carolina, bunch of Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, Mississippi, pretty much the southeastern United States. And that was land taken after conquest. So there's that. And then there's that little dust-up delivered by a a president, another president from Tennessee, James Knox Polk. Uh, He shit himself to death, by the way, in the end. Young man, I think he's 48, 52, something. Omaha, Omaha. Uh, Youngish man, but yeah, died of uh, cholera, dysentery, some... You know, some some horrible disease visited upon him, and if you go in for the the, the mystical, uh, you might say that uh, it was a little bit of payback. Maybe Montezuma's revenge, because James Knox Polk ran for president of the United States, saying, "I will give you the war against Mexico that you crave." And then did. And so the United States military, featuring young officers like Robert E. Lee and William Tecumseh Sherman and, and Ulysses Grant and a young officer by the name of Jefferson Davis, went down and fought battles at places like Chapultepec. And you get the, the one of the lines from the Marine Corps hymn, you know, from the halls of Montezuma. There really weren't any halls of Montezuma left back then because, well, uh, Hernan Cortes had seen to that when he had Tenochtitlan uh, destroyed almost down to the ground, but it turns out not entirely. And out of the end of the Mexican War which was largely a manifestation of the southern fantasy of extending, of conquering, and and this had been a fantasy that had been around for a while, Uh, and it wasn't solely a southern fantasy, but the fantasy of conquering uh, Mexico, all of Central America, and ultimately, uh, by the time it got into southern hands, we were just, they were just going to march down there and conquer the entirety of the South American continent. Yeah, because we tried that shit with Canada and got our ass handed to us. Yeah, we didn't we didn't demand any land after the War of eighteen twelve. We were just kind of hoping we uh, nobody would burn our capital down again. I'm pretty sure the January sixth the, the, the domestic terrorists would have brought gasoline if they could have gotten away with it. Not saying, just saying. But out of that, you get the Gadsden Purchase. Some purchase. We demanded a lot of land after the war, the Mexican War. and uh, By a lot of land, I mean California. I also mean Arizona. I also mean New Mexico. I also mean Utah. 
and Nevada. That's a lot. And, and the Kevers, where were you during California history? And I don't know. I, uh, we, do, we do West Virginia history somewhere around the 8th, ninth grade here. We did Alabama history in ninth grade. Does California not do California history? Uh, I know we got educators who will know the answer to that question, but really, seriously. Because it's kind of hard to miss how California became a state. It's not like the pilgrims dropped off all the religious assholes at Plymouth Rock and then went back and got another load of religious assholes, sailed all the way around the Horn through the furious 50s and the screaming 60s and up the western coast of South America and then dropped off some hard-working Puritans in San Diego Harbor. That was all part of what had started out as New Spain and then became Mako. And we wanted it. We wanted it real, real bad because you know, we, had a, we, had a, we had this little disease called Manifest Destiny. It was gross that disease. It made it made it made all the it made all the American white people want all the land of all the people who weren't white, and it went on it went on like that for a while. Uh, we got into it after getting into it with uh, Mexico in the late 1840s. We got it in got into it with the Spanish in the late 1890s. And out of that, we got the Philippines. We, we, we demanded land after the conclusion of that war. Somebody tell Kevers. And that would be, oh, the Philippines and Guam and Puerto Rico. We kind of got hold of Cuba for a little bit. I say Cuba in honor of uh, slain President. John F. Kennedy, Cuber. <sighs> yeah. It, we didn't hang on to Cuber, and the Philippines eventually got their independence, but we still got Guam. Coconut crabs. And we still got Puerto Rico. And they're still not, neither of them are still a state. Because, you know, you wouldn't want four more senators. Yeah. The, the composition of the Senate of the United States is a sacred thing provided for by the Constitution. and uh, it's, it's so sacred, we don't want to go past a hundred of them. We don't, need, we don't need two from Guam, and we don't need two from Puerto Rico, and we damn sure don't need two from D.C. Because then the Republicans would never be able to control the Senate again. And Americans might have a better fighting chance at an actual meaningful future for old Gen Z and Gen Alpha. And, uh, I'm, so is my new grandbaby like Gen Beta? Have we gotten there yet? Or is is uh, is is little uh, is little Luna um, later Beta? Oh, no, I'm not going to give myself a cowbell for that, even if I might deserve it. Deserving's got nothing to do with it. 
So, Kevers has got a this very strong case in this Moran Monday. And boy, oh boy, over on that uh, uh, website formerly known as Twitter, there are these things called community notes. And it's not something you're particularly proud of to be community noted. But Kevers got community noted. The note reads, the U.S. has acquired numerous territories through conflict, including 1848 Mexico, ceded 55% of its territory, 1898 Spain, ceded Guam, Puerto Rico, and the Philippines, 1899. U.S. acquires American Samoa after the Second Samoan Civil War. Exactly, Randy Radar says. In other words, we're America. We just take shit. Yeah, we do. Because... We were founded by England. And England's MO has been to just go and take shit. Ask India. So that's our, our, our first nominee, Cavers McCarthy. But far from our last, because I, I mentioned during the... Uh, the pitch for this uh, here Moran Monday is sometimes it ain't all Republicans. Um, you know, we at one point in time, what, a few weeks ago, one of our Moran Monday nominees was none other than <coughs> alleged <coughs> progressive <coughs> broadcaster Chank Yugier who at that time was braying about how Joe Biden needs to step down and not run for president. And then announced his own grift, and it is, it's a grift, where in which he, Cenk Uger, was going to run for president. There's only one problem. It won't slow the grift down much, mind you, but it's a problem at least for Chank, at least in terms of being president. And, and that problem is very fundamental in nature. Chank was born in, well, Istanbul. And I don't mean, I don't mean Istanbul, Mississippi. Not that there is one. Or Istanbul, Iowa. And it's not like Cenk was born to Merkin parents like John McCain was when he was born in Panama City, Panama, outside of the Canal Zone. No, no. Cenk was born to Turkish parents in Turkish territory in the greatest Turkish monop uh, uh, metropolis, Istanbul, it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. It, it, why is it that way? It's nobody's business but the Turks. Sorry, I always think of that song. And so, and I don't know if anybody told Cenk. He is constitutionally ineligible 
to be President of the United States at all, ever. I mean, if somebody made Chink Vice President and the sitting President shuffled off this mortal coil, I don't think he could be President. But nonetheless, whatevs, he's out there. But like I, I mentioned Chenk simply because, uh, well, um, sometimes it's not always all Republicans here. Oh, sometimes, some, sometimes it's outside the ranks of the GOP, or at least seems to be. And in this case, uh, this nominee is the... Uh, um, okay, let's just, uh, it's not like you're going to uh, recognize a lot of the names, but this is a, this is a, this is a, a multiple party nomination. This Moran Monday goes out to David Shipley, Charles Lane, Stephen Stromberg, Mary Duenwald, Christine Emba, Shadi Hamid, David Hoffman, James Homan, Heather Long, Millie Mitra, Eduardo Porter, Keith B. Richburg, and Molly Roberts. You can be forgiven if you're sitting there saying, but Robin, who the hell are they? Well, y'all, that there is the editorial board of the Washington Post. Hmm? Democracy dies in darkness. Well, democracy apparently dies in dumbness, too. They've earned this nomination because it is under the signature of the editorial board for something that they published last week that I saved for today. Yeah. The headline reads, Opinion. Uh, opinion here is under-modified it badly needs an adjective. Dumbass opinion. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. We now have a subscriber on the 27th. Thank you, Smitty. Thank you so very much. The 27th now has a subscriber on it. And thank you, uh, thank you to Frank for jumping in. So we've met uh, Twenty dollars of the seven hundred and fifty we need for the uh, uh, Happy Holidays True Tripling Challenge, courtesy of our kind anonymous internet friend. Uh huh. Um, that's fantastic. Thanks, y'all. Okay, so it, we're nominating the Washington Post editorial board. You remember a few years ago 
it wasn't that long. Um, the 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 uh, and, and this was before they were maggots. A lot of them were teabaggers, birchers, booger eaters, etc. Were uh, barking and grunting and braying and hooting and squalling and squealing and shrieking and howling about how if a couple of guys could get married or a couple of women could get married, that'll destroy the institution of marriage. Remember? Because I do. I'll bet some other people do too. Uh, It led to a then-sitting senator from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Rick Sanctum Santorum, to declare that if gay guys and lesbians are able to marry, then uh, the next thing you know, somebody's going to be wanting to marry his dog, leading to him earning the nickname Rick Man-on-Dog Santorum. Of course, with the Obergefell decision... Marriage equality became the law of the land and to this day continues to be a a horrifying bugaboo for the right wing, uh, going so far as in the uh, concurring opinion to Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health in the summer of 2022. uh, Clarence Pubes on the Coke can, Fappy Thomas, the single most corrupt justice of the Supreme Court ever to... Uh, draw his breath and his pay at the same time, saying, uh, uh, "Bring me, bring me a case, bring me a case of somebody who's who's deeply religiously offended by uh, by the homosexuals getting married, so we can overturn that Obergefell case." Not in so many words, but he said it. I, I get, I, and and remember, Mullah Mike Johnson is also, and for years, was paid by an, by an organization who wanted uh, to prevent certain people who loved each other from being able to get all married up. And hating on marriage equality is still a good dollar in Republican fundraising circles. I guess even among the log closet Republicans. None of them are married, I suppose. Meanwhile, the institution of marriage has, well, trundled along as it has for quite a few years. You know, about half of all marriages in the United States, I mean the straight ones, don't make it to the five-year mark. Your odds go up as the marriage continues, but it's... What in the hell? It's not guaranteed... Mice. Uh, it's not guaranteed, uh, even if you last like 28 years. No, no. 30? Nope, not guaranteed then either. But generally speaking, um, marriage equality has caused no lasting harm to the sacred institution of one man and one woman uh, biblical marriage. Which means that the Washington Post editorial board, herein above named, 
were apparently desperate for something to publish on the day before Thanksgiving and came up with if attitudes don't shift, a political dating mismatch will threaten marriage. What is the thrust, uh, the thrust of this bold, prophetic pronouncement from a bunch of wealthy people who work for the Washington, Washington Post editorial board and get to show up on TV shows and whatnot? Well, it boils down to this, and I, I don't. I could use the genteel language of the Washington Post, but most people don't talk like the Washington Post editorial board talks. So we'll just talk plain folks, maybe even a little hillbilly. The thrust of this editorial, y'all, is that if liberal women don't start fucking and having children by maggots, the whole country might just fall plumb to pieces. If you had any idea how much, how silly and stupid I feel even saying that, but don't blame me. Have that, have that conversation with the Washington Post editorial board, because at least in this instance... They suck. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, no, no, Ralphs, that wasn't my... Uh, that, that, that was not Mr. Kyle. I honestly... It might just be the general stuff tectonics back here in the studio. Uh, uh, Ralphs, by the way, at, noted that uh, Tesla strikes in Sweden are getting under Elon Musk's skin... Because apparently auto workers in Sweden are not nearly as, uh, well, docile as non-union auto workers over here. They might want to talk to Sean Fain over at the UAW and maybe organize some Tesla plants. But uh, Ralphs is offering a $25 challenge for Tesla's Swedish auto workers because apparently they just don't. Uh, they, they don't cotton to Leon Scum style. CNN says, uh, reporting from London. Uh, workers striking against Tesla in Sweden have finally drawn a response from the company's famously anti-union boss. This is insane. That's the wrong accent. This is insane. It's more Australian, but closer to South African. Leon Scum said on Thursday on Shitter. Because... <laughs> Swedish postal workers refuse to deliver Tesla license plates. Mechanics stopped servicing Tesla cars late last month. A Tesla subsidiary in Sweden announced it wouldn't recognize their labor union, so about 130 mechanics said, screw you, Leon, and walked off the job. And because 
there in Scandinavia and other parts of Europe, too, to be fair. They understand what collective action means. When the mechanics went out, the postal workers went out, and then the uh, uh, dock workers went out, and they stopped unloading Tesla automobiles. And uh, the whole original union was called by the IF Metal Union, who said, this is about good wages, good pensions, and good insurance for all our members who work at Tesla. We've been negotiating with Tesla for a long time. They've refused to sign a collective bargaining agreement and violate basic principles in the Swedish labor market. Well, Sweden ain't America. And so the uh, union members in Sweden are, well, you know, Leon scum. Maybe you should go to Sweden. They'd just love you in Svenska, I'm sure. Uh, three attempts to organize a, a, a factory in the United States uh, have failed. The National Labor Relations Board has called out Leon Scum for anti-union activities. But he's still going concern uh, Tesla officials for instance interrogate workers discriminate against workers who support unions and Buffalo New York Tesla fired 30 workers who uh, announced an organizing effort hint that's not legal under the National Labor Relations Act. He's told Tesla workers they'll lose their Tesla stock options if they form a union. And one of the greater fears of Leon Scum, derpy Batman villain that he is, is that with Swedish workers striking, the German Tesla workers may follow suit. Because there's a great big plant in Germany that makes uh, batteries for Teslas and makes Tesla cars themselves. The factory's near Berlin, and German unions have said, uh, "Listen, you need to you need to execute a collective bargaining agreement for the 11,000 people who work here." Because, among other things, IG Metal, which is the German union, they say that uh, Leon Scum pays Tesla workers there uh, below standard wages for automakers in Germany. And over a thousand workers at the Tesla factory near Berlin have joined the union in one day last month. So thank you, Ralphs, for the challenge. Uh, Ralphs will match $25 that comes in with $25 of her own if uh, somebody wants to put that forward. And that will put us at uh, $70 into the $750 we need to raise for a true tripling challenge, a holiday tripling challenge.
Thank you. I'm going to get back to that Washington Post opinion piece in a minute, but uh, uh, Lou in PA points out we tried to annex Canada too, but failed. Uh, by the way, Winfield Scott directed the Mexican-American War. Notice the incriminating last name. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. You two behave. And Flavio says, we are of the Anglo-Saxon race. From the autobiography of Mark Twain. Our public motto is, in God we trust. And when we see those gracious words on two, page 227, the trade dollar worth 60 cents, they always seem to tremble and whimper with pious emotion. That is our public motto. It transpires that our private one is when the Anglo-Saxon wants a thing, he just takes it. Our public morals are touchingly set forth in that stately and yet gentle and kindly motto, which indicates that we are a nation of gracious and affectionate multitudinous brothers compacted into one a pluribus unum. Our private morals find the light in the sacred phrase, Come! Step lively! We imported our imperialism from monarchical Europe. Also, our curious notions of patriotism, that is, if we have any principle of patriotism, which any person can definitely and intelligibly divine. It is but fair, then, no doubt, that we should instruct Europe in return for these and the other kinds of instruction which we have received from that source. Thank you, Flavio. There is never a bad time for a Mark Twain quote. And you get a jingle. Uh, adding to Ralph's challenge... Stephen New York says, I'd like to offer a $5 Labor's on the March challenge. Oh, and also make it a Fuck Elon Musk challenge. So there will be a rousing Fuck Elon Musk if five bucks comes in to match Steve's challenge. And this observation coming from Emilio. I'm always surprised, says Emilio that the white son of a wealthy South African emerald mine owner could be such a fucking racist prick. Not saying. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of us out there that wouldn't pee on Leon scum if his guts were on fire. And are more than happy to stand by and prove it if the moment should ever transpire. I made that rhyme. Oh, dear. Might be one of those days. But like I said, to get back to uh, nominee, well, I guess now nominee number three. Funny how the Washington Post editorial board keeps sliding. But yes, the uh, the upshot of the Washington Post editorial board is that marriage is going to collapse if the women who maggots, maggot men despise don't start fucking maggot men and making little maggot babies. Any number of questions come to mind uh, with this uh, this op-ed. Like, what kind of plastic bottle tequila did the editorial board get into the day before Thanksgiving to make them think, hey, I think we're on to something here, y'all. 
Yeah, but since it was the day before Thanksgiving, they said, ideological polarization is now a mainstay of American politics. They have to read this in a masculine voice. Because there's no, there's no way it could be announced by, by, by a woman, even in one of the, even one of the women on the Washington Post editorial board. Uh, ideological polarization is now a mainstay of American politics. Millions of young Americans will go home this Thanksgiving and find themselves in uncomfortable situations with relatives, especially uncles, apparently, who love former President Donald Trump, hate vaccination, or think the January 6, 2021 Capitol insurrection had very fine people on both sides. It doesn't get any better. Uh, in some ways, polarization is exactly what one would expect in a large, unwieldy democracy such as the United States. Americans no longer agree on many questions of how to live or what to live for. Tomorrow? Live for tomorrow? Live for today? Carpe diem? Oh, well, we quit. Uh, we quit teaching Latin a long time ago. Uh, Brother Deacon Asa, God damn it, Emilio. Elon Musk is not racist. Say what you will about the tenets of National Socialism, but they need their own digital platform. Okay, you. These differences can't be just papered over through good faith dialogue. Because they are real. And so, lo and behold, with no funny clown face emojis or the, the braying, braying jackass emojis or anything, because they're very, very serious on the Washington Post editorial page, at least most of the time. They identify that one of the problems with polarization is the collapse of American marriage. Some people say there's a woman to blame. A growing number of young women are discovering, discovering, bless their little hearts, they're discovering things. Uh, They can't find suitable male partners. As a whole, men are increasingly struggling with or suffering from higher unemployment, lower rates of educational attainment, more drug addiction and deaths of despair, and generally less purpose and direction in their lives. Well, bully for you, Washington Post, for not blaming this on the epidemic of transness. Take our wins where we find them. But then, because they are wise, wise, wise people... Um, the Washington Post editorial board says uh, well, there's a growing ideological divide. Uh, since Mr. Trump's <clears throat> election, <clears throat> I'm adding the <clears throat> in 2016, because he wasn't, the percentage of single women ages 18 to 30 who identify as, li- as liberal has shot up. Oh, my God, where are my pearls? I must clutch them. 
Hand, put your hand over here. I need to ring it. Yes, it has shot up. Now, uh, where before Trump, only 20% of young women identified as liberal, now it's up to 32%. Uh, the post then goes on and notes, uh, Young men have not followed suit. If anything, they've grown more conservative. Well, why ever could that possibly be? Anybody want to jump in on that one? Huh? According to an American Enterprise Institute survey, 46% of white Gen Z women are liberal, compared to only 28% of white Gen Z men, more of whom, 36%, now identify as conservative. And then this. And I wonder what's happened in, say, the last seven, last seven years that could make this, be a ma- not make this matter. But, um, yeah... Um, 61% of Gen Z women see themselves as feminist. Only 43% of Gen Z men do. And then they get close to a clue. Little surprise that the manfluencers, particularly those such as British-American kickboxer Andrew Tate who promote outright misogyny, have their biggest following among boys and young men. Kind of a pity for Andrew Tate to be getting all the all the love out of that when Pink Shrek is out there, Joe Rogaine, and, you know, little Benny Drywife Shapiro, Matt Walsh, uh, Stephen Wife-Beater Crowder. Could it be that as these man-babies emulate these capitalist assholes who are only manipulating them for money, could it be that women are wa- young women especially are watching that behavior And saying, ah, no, pass, thanks. And then this. And, uh, Reverbo, I don't know if you're out there, but <laughs> I, I have, a, I, I, this, this is an ongoing debt. Um, I, owe, I owe to Reverbo the fact that I recognize this. Um, because it's one of my favorite 20th century literary quotes so the Washington Post says in another era Political or ideological differences might have had less impact on marriage rights. 
but increasingly the political is personal. Now, the minute I read that last week, I was like, ding, 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 ding. And I, I immediately, yeah, there it is. My favorite 20, uh, 21st century science fiction trilogy. Um, the first book of which is Altered Carbon by Richard K. Morgan. And this is the pull quote that Reverbo put me on to eons ago now. The personal as everyone's so fucking fond of saying, is political. And so here's the Washington Post saying, increasingly the political is personal. And so there's a 2021 survey of college students. Now, this was November 22nd, 2023. But... Well, let's do use a 2021 survey because I have a feeling the numbers are only getting more. Mm, the gap is only getting wider. 2021 survey of college students found that 71% of Democrats would not date someone with opposing views. And the. Uh, yeah, ding, ding, make it personal, Ralphs. Exactly. Apparently somebody else is reading. Well, yeah, I'm sure. But I'm sure Richard K. Morgan got it from somewhere else, too. But the editorial board deigns to uh, confess that uh, there is some logic to this. Imagine that, the little women being logical and not all hysterical all the time. But they say that, and here's the problem, because... Nobody identifies problems like the Washington Post editorial boards. Lovey, we're we're out uh, we're we're out of of of, of, of uh, Chateau Poupou de Pape. Whatever shall we tell the guests at our Thanksgiving fete? It's always Lovey's problem to solve, isn't it? But they note that politics is becoming more central to people's identity. Uh, this mismatch means that someone will need to compromise. And then, and this is funny, having said somebody's going to need to compromise, uh, they identify as researchers, researchers, Lyman Stone and Broad Wilcox, Broad, really? Abroad? Oh, broad! Um, they just call them researchers, but if you go to the Atlantic article to which the uh, to, to, to which the uh, editorial links, you'll find that they are from some sketchy ass right wing authoritarian. Hyper-masculine, women need to be barefoot and pregnant, Christian grift. Uh, Lyman Stone and Brad Wilcox note that about one in five young singles will have little choice but to marry someone outside their ideological tribe. Little choice? Little choice is still a choice. 
they don't have to marry anyone. And frankly, if it was marry a maggot or remain single, I think those 71% of Democrats wouldn't, who wouldn't date a maggot are probably going to choose I'll be by myself. Because if you date a, if 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 a if a decent if a decent woman dates a maggot man, she's not going to have a great time. I don't even like thinking about that. How gross! And uh, once once the Solons at the Washington Post editorial board uh, says that uh, not getting married is not a great idea. I think this is maybe where the women on the editorial board might have had some input, and, and, and so you get a parenthesis, a parenthetical observation. Uh, this is, of course, on average. Marriage isn't for everyone, nor is staying in a physically or emotionally abusive marriage ever the right choice. The only problem is we've got a Speaker of the House who says that staying in a physically or emotionally abusive marriage is the right choice. And he became Speaker of the House because there are a bunch of other maggots who agree. And and again, they cite to the uh, the jackasses from the, uh, the tax-exempt religious grift who say that uh, maggot women who marry, or, or uh, decent women who marry maggot men, are, are still likely to be happier. Horseshit. And so it goes on like this, and and they, they, they try to work their way toward something resembling a hopeful take. Uh, Gen Z is still relatively young. I mean, by the time I was the same age as Gen Z, I, I, I'd, I'd made my first billion because Dottie gave it to me. And the Trump era divisions between single men and women might not reverse themselves. But there's a good chance they won't. Particularly if Mr. Trump manages to inflect, inject the body politic with his distinct brand of existential dread during and after the 2024 elections. And here's their remedy a cultural shift might be necessary. Now, this is uh, presumably this is the, the shifting is going to be on the woman's part. Well, one that views politics as a part of people's identity, but far from the most important part. Americans' ability to live together quite literally might depend on it. Horseshit! Oh, really? Um, uh, Flavio says. 
you're really channeling your William F. Buckley Jr., aren't you? Hysterical. I can't help but, well, Hammond Thurston Howell III. God Almighty. So the remedy is for women to give up their standards, give up and, and, and be uh, happy, giving up their rights and having their lives lorded over by some dude bro who believes in manosphere culture and all that manosphere horseshit that spirals and swirls around the country and results in guys in big pickup trucks revving their noisy engines to show everybody how tiny their penises are Explain to me why any woman would want to have any sort of sexual congress or any sort of day-to-day relationship with someone who thinks that he has a right to determine how she manages the workings of her body. kind of evades me. Oh, that's all right. Here, let me get my shoes off. Hey, quick, get me pregnant. I'm headed for the kitchen. I need to make you a Sammy and bring you a beer. Ugh. Oh, of course I'll work a job outside the home. And then I'll come home and do all the housework. And once the baby's here, I'll take care of the baby, too. It's the American way. (sighs) So the maggots have gone out after a right to choose. The maggots have enforced religiosity on American life. But somehow, uh, both sides... Because, see, that's the, that's the larger picture here, is that this is a great... Well, you know, I mean, uh, both sides have to compromise. I mean, you know, women have to give up their bodily autonomy, and men have to, you know, only beat them when they really, really need it. Not whenever they feel like it. And, and women have to provide sex to, uh, to, 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 to uh, maggot men whenever maggot men want it. But maggot men, well, uh, they can just uh, go back down to the basement and cover themselves in Cheeto dust and, and, and play their video games after they finish. How can, how can, you, how can you be so goddamn culturally stupid? Philosophically stupid, socially stupid, politically stupid, as to wonder on the pages of the Washington Post editorial page why women don't want anything to do, most women, 
don't want anything to do with guys who worship a man who said that if you're rich enough and famous enough, you can grab women by their genitals. Well, help here? Bueller? Bueller? Uh, how about the role model, Frank says. Is Jerry Falwell Jr. a role model for marriage and morals? Inquiring minds. <laughs> and Stephen New York says, compromise? Allow me to beat this dead horse. How exactly are we to compromise with people who either took part in or supported a coup? Well, well, Steve, the, the, the Washington Post editorial board didn't say it was going to be easy. This is the hard work of democracy, y'all. And it's, it's women's job to placate and pacify the great big pasty-faced doughy man-babies of MAGA and Meal Team 6 and the incels and the manosphere and the men going their own way and the Nazis and the Klansmen. I mean, I don't think there's enough brown skirts out there to go around, but Moms for Liberty! Sit, Liberty. Sit. Who, by the way, are not doing great. Anywhere but, like, Alabama. But, oh, my God, Becky. In a related case... Another plaintiff has uh, joined a growing lawsuit known as Zorovsky versus State of Texas. The Center for Reproductive Rights has sued the State of Texas on behalf of Texas women, even though those women were denied reproductive care, abortion care, even though they had serious pregnancy complications, life-threatening complications. It's always worth remembering that litigation developed as a concept as a way to keep men from going out and hacking at each other with broadswords. Adversarial litigious process is actually stylized warfare. And so this this is a front. And thus, why uh, why the uh, places like the state of Idaho, Stan, have gone scurrying off to uh, to Washington D.C. to implore our most puissant, dread sovereign, supreme Catholic Majesties to allow the state of Idaho. To kill women 
with impunity. Uh, no, really. So back when uh, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health was decided, and Roe v. Wade was struck down, Idaho already had on the books a so-called trigger law that banned abortion entirely. And it was triggered, it, it was passed and, uh, in, in anticipation of these judicial thugs overturning 50 years of what one of those thugs described as super precedent. Idaho called their law the Defense of Life Act. And it bans every kind, every sort of abortion, except in instances, and of course these have to be proven, in which an abortion can be determined to be necessary to prevent the mother's death. That does not include the ruination of the mother's health or the destruction of her ability to have more babies for Jesus. And so the Biden administration took Idaho to court and challenged the legality of the statutory languages. And lo and behold, U.S. District Judge B. Lynn Windmill, no, really, it's wind turbine. No, no. Windmill, W-I-N-M-I-L-L. In August of 2022, uh, U.S. District Judge Windmill issued a preliminary injunction because he made a determination that the Defense of Life Act was in direct conflict with federal law that says that patients can receive emergency care to get them stabilized. And so Idaho went running off to the Ninth Circuit, and a single judge on the Ninth United States Circuit Court of Appeals said, yeah, okay, injunction lifted, but the Biden administration asked for an en banc hearing, the whole circuit, and the whole circuit looked and said, no, 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 we're going to leave the injunction in place. And now the state of Idaho has run off keening and moaning and shrieking about the precious little fetuses to our most puissant dread sovereign supreme catholic majesties on an emergency basis see the case hasn't even been heard in full this is only about a preliminary injunction just a preliminary injunction And that preliminary injunction remains in place, and Idaho is uh, pissing and moaning to the most puissant, etc., saying that uh, 
Judge Windmill has permitted an ongoing violation of both Idaho's sovereignty and its traditional police power over medical practice. Nothing in there about Idaho having the unmitigated power to condemn women to no permanent sterility or horrifying sequelae to bad pregnancies. And by the way, at the same time, OBGYNs are blowing out of Idaho uh, as quickly as they can possibly go because they don't want those self-same theocratic hypocrites coming after them if they actually determine that a woman's life is at risk and save it by providing an abortion. And so, claiming that this is an emergency when it's just a matter of they hate women and they want women to suffer more until the case can be fully decided, because frankly, I have no, I have no confidence that our most puissant dread sovereign supreme Catholic majesties are going to allow the Biden administration to prevail. But they just want the injunction lifted right now because they, them, uh, those maggots in Idaho got some women they want to hurt. I don't know. And to sort of fold this back on the previous story, I don't know if there are any actual liberal men in Idaho. I do know there are some liberal women because, well. I've seen where they're pissed off about what's been done. But, you know, I'd like to ask the editorial board of the Washington Post how those women are supposed to compromise in order to make little maggot babies in Idaho. And I keep... uh, I keep, I keep coming, you know, I, I, history. You know, in the Second World War in Europe, we, and the Russians, the, the Allies, killed the living shit out of Nazis. Just killed them as much, as, as many of them as we possibly could. And you know what happened as a result of that? It took a little bit. But Germany stopped having a Nazi problem. And entire generations of Germans have grown up understanding how horrible it was to have Nazis. Well, I can't help but see not letting maggot men fuck and make maggot babies as anything, well, as as something similar. The less maggot men who get to fuck and make babies means the less maggot babies there will be, which means that just as the lack of Nazis in post-World War II Germany 
led to fewer Nazis generally. I mean, granted, there's a fascism problem all over Europe right now, globally even. But it's not even at full strength, and it's not in a situation of total dominance. And that's because we got rid of so many Nazis between 19, well, I mean, 1939 and 1945. Granted, we didn't really get into it until 1942. But it's a really good thing to not have Nazis. Uh, what was it? Popper's paradox: the only way to have a tolerant society is to not to to- is, is to not tolerate right-wing extremists. So if when, and and not just World War II, but this also has echoes. No, Steve, I'm not going. It's not ancient Rome; it's ancient Greece. But this has echoes of Lysistrata. The Greek comedy, in which the women of Athens decide that they will not fuck men until the men stop making war. It was not particularly realistic because Athens lost the Peloponnesian War. Athen Athenian democracy died, but that was that. But that was a Lysistrata was a um, a trial balloon running a flag up the pole. A modest proposal, if you were well. Now I I, I freely confess that there is a, a substantial likelihood because incels are dangerous and deadly and they tend to go on shooting rampages but eventually uh, if uh, decent American women stop letting maggots have sex with them or even getting pregnant Well, look, if you put out, if you've got a roach problem and you put out roach motels and you have fewer roaches, you have fewer roach breeding pairs, and you finally get maybe some relief, relief from your roach infestation. And yes, I'm comparing maggots to roaches. Maggots can die mad about it. Uh, hi, Kim. Uh, Kim in New York. Washington Post bullshit. So, says Kim, the writers of the Post article seem to think that one's politics is something that one should compromise for the sake of not being alone and, most importantly to them, the sake of propagating the human race. Our political stance is not just a belief, it is at the core of who we are, our values, ethical compass, and morality. What the hell else is there? Reproductive rights is only one part of that. It's human rights, the belief in democracy and justice. No woman or man should compromise who they are. Agreed. And you know, you know who understands that better than anybody, Kim? Maggots. They will not compromise. 
look at who the, despite everything, look at who the front runner is for the and likely Republican nominee for president is. Ninety-one indictments in four separate jurisdictions. And it's not even slowing the maggots down. It's making them bark and grunt and hoot louder than they ever have before. I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything in the uh, Washington Post editorial that suggested that the maggots need to ameliorate their toxic misogynistic behavior. And again, why why would a why would a woman involve herself with a guy who votes for a man who cheated on his first wife with his second wife? cheated on his second wife with his third wife and cheated on his third wife with a sex worker while the third wife was pregnant with his own kid. Those are facts, and and even the maggots will admit it. But it doesn't matter because it's entirely and totally, I suppose, forgivable. Uh, Flavio says, I listen to Radio Free Moscow out of Moscow, Idaho. It's a progressive radio station in the Palouse region. It's amazing they have a progressive radio station in such a reactionary state. Well, there's that. (laughs) Brother Deacon. Brother Deacon Asa says, it really depends on how high the maggot man scores on the vaginal desiccant scale. Come on, you should know this by now. That's for vaginal desiccant scale. That's a reference to Benny Dry Wife Shapiro. And Asa adds, maggot women do compromise, though. Look at the guy whose clanny granny was yanking. He had his own drag bar and everything. True. True. But don't, well, I can't go there. I just can't go there. And in things that have happened since we closed out the program on Friday, uh, let's get out the world's tiniest violin and and get it and, and, and get it all tuned up for Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin, a federal inmate, serving sentences both state and federal for having murdered George Floyd. Uh, got shanked in prison. And was hospitalized. And was said to not be in great shape. 
He'd been transferred from Minnesota down to a federal correctional facility in Arizona, Stan. Whilst in Minnesota, uh, Chauvin had been kept largely in solitary confinement for his own protection. But somebody got to him in Arizona and well, almost got the job done. Glad they didn't. I, I have no I have no sympathy here. A- am I am I supposed to feel no? Because see, he's going to recover. Derek Chauvin is from his inmate shanking. And assuming that Derek Chauvin has family that loves him, they're still going to be able to visit Derek Chauvin. On the other hand, the family of George uh, George Floyd gets to visit a grave. So I didn't even ma- I didn't even make any kind of a passing attempt to generate even a single tear because just no. I kind of checked in with myself as to my morals and my my ethics and uh, whatever whatever else. Um, they're in they're 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 in fine shape. Despite the shanking of. Uh, Derek Chauvin. The courts, it seems, are determined to see Nero on the ballot. A federal judge today dismissed uh, a lawsuit to block Nitwit Nero from the ballot in Rhode Island. Um... It's another one of those suits brought by John Anthony Castro under the 14th Amendment. Entirely odious spokesperson for Nitwit Nero, Stephen Chung, who, to the best of my knowledge, unlike Jason Miller, has not been accused of rape, uh, crowed, Courts in Colorado, New Hampshire, Minnesota, and Michigan have all dismissed similar claims by political actors seeking to interfere with the presidential election and help the failing campaign of crooked Joe Biden. Speaking of moral centers and ethical codes, you ever wonder about somebody like Stephen Chung? And how he bifurcates his life. Oh, it's just a job. I could go to work for Greenpeace doing the same thing tomorrow. How how does that not lead to madness? Now, there's a little bit of a straw man there on my part. I I, I understand. 
but still. Yeah. He went on to say, President Trump remains undefeated in beating back these spurious claims. Castro, meanwhile, said that, told the Boston Globe, oh, this is all going as planned. Okay. Yeah, meanwhile, uh, it appears that some of the observations about Nitwit Nero's lack of mental acuity, because just as we were talking on Friday about how nobody brings up the PP tape anymore, except for Julius Geezer, with that pathetic... Uh, That pathetic claim. I would never do something like that because I'm a germaphobe. Well, he also got donkey ears over the the uh, observation that he doesn't seem to be particularly uh, well screwed down. By the way, we're at the halfway point of the program. Uh, if uh, anybody would like to jump in and engage in some conversation, you are more than welcome so to do. I welcome it. Uh, you can reach the program either on the stress line, 844-843-4676, 844-THE-HORN, or at uh, Robin Kincaid Horn, R-O-B-Y-N-K-I-N-C-A-I-D-H-O-R-N, and, of course, uh, 304-574-8178. It all comes in, and if you'd like to uh, join in this little Moran Monday celebration, please feel free. But the observations about Nitwit Nero not be, well, not being the sharpest fork in the toaster have been piling up. Because he's been running around saying things like he's running against Barack Obama. Yeah. And 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 he's confused Hungary and Turkey and, as Brother Deacon Asa noted, of course, when you're Hungary, you want Turkey. I remember it because it was so shameful, Asa. Well, he, he went off and, and and posted a giant tripe on Tripe Social, which, by the way, has lately been under attack by a, uh, a silly organization comprised of, among other people, the same person who put together the Birds Aren't Real campaign. Never seen a baby pigeon? And... <laughs> They were uh, apparently the, uh, the 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 platform software that runs Tripe Social isn't exactly uh, high tech. And consequently, uh, they've been able to run campaigns <laughs> uh, featuring 
A cartoon dog? No, really. And changed the trending list on Tripe Social. It all started after President Biden's team joined Tripe Social, and for a little while there had more actual subscribers on Tripe Social than the head Triper did. Not kidding. And so consequently, we got this. Whenever I sarcastically insert the name Obama for Biden as an indication that others may actually be having a very big influence in ruining our, running our country, Ron DeSanctimonious and his failing campaign apparatus, together with the Democrats' radical leftist information machine, go wild saying that Trump doesn't know the name of our president. Crooked. Joe Biden, he must be cognitively impaired. No, I know both names very well, never mix them up, and know that they're destroying our country. Also, and has, has reported, I just took a cognitive test as part of my physical exam and aced it. Also aced a perfect score one taken while in the White House. Man, woman, person. Camera, TV. Biden should take one so we can determine why he wants open borders. No energy independence, a woke military, high inflation. No voter ID, men playing in women's sports. Only electric cars and trucks, a weaponized DOJ, FBI, and so many other crazy things. Sure, Grandpa. Here's your medicine. Well, that that meant that my filthy morning habit was rather enjoyable today. Oh, yeah. People talk about, oh, is age is age. Yeah, yeah, age is an issue. It's, it's, it's a positive issue. But also, this is, I'm saying that, not you, obviously. It's Mika and me on the opinion side here. But we've just looked at what's happened, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's expansion of NATO, what's happening in the Middle East. But also, Mika brings up a great point. Joe Biden has visited two war zones now, uh, hot active war zones, the first president to visit any war zone since Abraham Lincoln. And with Donald Trump, we had a president that didn't want to go visit the graves of World War One soldiers, World War Two soldiers. I can't remember. I believe it was can't even believe it was so. I, believe, I know he was over for the Normandy celebration, but I believe also there were there, there were other graveyards he was going to go to. But Donald Trump didn't want to get his hair wet, according to reports and 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 things from, you know, and makeup. That, it was the makeup and generals. I'm not joking. And of course, not trying to be funny. General Kelly, of course, just said he never got it. Yeah, he didn't want to. He, he called people that got killed in war losers. And the last thing he would do is go into a war zone. That's exactly what Joe Biden's done twice, a hot act of war zone. Yeah, that was a World War One cemetery in France to commemorate a battle that led to the foundation of the Marine Corps, which mattered a lot to General John Kelly. Um, you're right, Joe, that Wait, first what? of all, President Biden, look, two things can be true once. Polls do suggest that voters are concerned about his age, but there's no question that age is also an advantage when it comes to his relationships with foreign leaders and just having mm-hmm. been there before, seeing the world stage, having been on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee for decades, serving as President Obama's vice president. And he 
he was a globe-trotting vice president, logged untold miles at, at Obama's behalf. Uh, and now as president of the United States, it's not just going to two war zones. That's extraordinarily impressive as so, but he has revitalized NATO. He has traveled to Asia. He has traveled to the Middle East. He has, you know, received high marks even from some Republicans on foreign policy. And I think, you know, the, the presidency of Joe Biden has many days ahead of it. But when his legacy is written, there's no doubt he will be considered an extraordinarily accomplished foreign policy president. And he's navigating this crisis now. And to your point, uh, we have reporting that he worked the phones all weekend long to try to make sure this hostage deal would go through. And now he's trying to get that pause extended. And you mentioned Donald Trump, who we've had quite a bit of fun with recently because he keeps mixing up who's president. Well, he has responded just a few moments ago on his oh, fledgling social media site. Uh, he says he sarcastically yet, does huh? it. No, it's all, they're on their way. He claims, they're, Joe, that they he's were bankrupt. Another they're, they're, thing that Donald Trump touches, it goes bankrupt. I bet, so they're not bankrupt. OK, go I'm ahead. Not, well, they may what be bankrupt, but they still have at least enough money to keep the lights on for him to post here. Bankrupt, uh, right. In which he says that he does it sarcastically as an indication oh. of the power of the forces that are actually running this company. And then he goes on for 300 <laughs> odd words or so uh, about yeah. the cognitive yeah. test that he aced. And no one's ever done that before. Etc. Etc. Uh, Were you being sarcastic when you told everybody to run to the Capitol? Was that just sarcasm? Yeah, exactly. He doesn't address that. See you there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's 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 very. Were you being sarcastic when you said you'd take uh, dirt on a political rival from a foreign leader? Right. Was that sarcasm? No. Okay. Yeah, maybe Just so. Curious. Or when he said that he wanted to have generals executed. Right. Were but, you being sarcastic yeah. when you told um, America that our war dead were losers? Mm. Was that sarcasm? Uh, yes. I guess maybe it was. I mm -hmm. What, are you what about asshole countries? Did General, that, General um, Kelly about? You know, she's trying not to say shithole, and she winds up saying asshole. Hmm. But one of the one of the when 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 Mika goes off. One of the things I enjoy is she looks straight into the camera because she knows he's watching her. She is talking directly to Tangerine Tiberius. And he's sitting there in his Superman underoos, seething seething uh, you caught that too Randy Radar yeah th that was a slip of the tongue on the part of Jonathan Lemire uh, don't the US Marines date from way before the first world war way before yes as in the revolution uh, as in November uh, every marine knows the exact date I'm not a marine but it was yeah it was it was November of 1775 76 77 something like that that's when that's the foundation of the Marines. I think uh, I think that uh, what he was trying to say was uh, was it the Ardennes or the Ar Argonne uh, that that was a seminal moment in the um, history of the Marine Corps. It's uh, it's from them uh, it's it's from that time that the Germans began referring to the Marines in. In Eng what winds up in English being devil dogs. Devil dogs. Something Hunden. As opposed to the beautiful golden boy in the front of the house who 
I have nicknamed mein Liebling Käsehund, for he does love his cheese. But yeah, Randy Radar, good catch. About that. Yeah. So anyway, so um, it, could that, do that for four it, hours. It, it's so funny. Wouldn't you, be enough time. We'll play the clips where Donald Trump looks so lost and confused on stage. If he insists on doing this, we'll be glad to play the clips of where he's like stumbling around and bumbling around, confuses World War II with World War III, can't figure out who's in charge of what country, who's in charge of Hungary, who's in charge of Turkey. We can do that if we want. If we want to go there, we'll, we'll gladly go there. But in the meantime, we've been talking about the extraordinary work that, in our opinion, that Joe Biden's been doing on these hostage negotiations. But things are getting tougher now. They're getting tougher in part yeah. because questions of how away. many hostages Hamas still controls and how many are still alive. Uh, and and here on the front page of The Wall Street Journal have a have a great story uh, that's that's written by Isabel Coles, Don Lieber. And Annette Taled, bid to extend truce complicates Israel's goal to wipe out the enemy. Uh, and, and that is actually the real challenge right now. Let's bring in from Tel Aviv, NBC. Uh, speaking of which, uh, a bit of a, bit of a, uh, it, it shouldn't be a surprise, but it is a surprise. Oh, Bellow Woods. Thank you, Lou. Lou and PA. It was Bellow Woods. Uh, Lou serving as the World War I Marine Battles Horn Ad Hoc Research Committee correspondent. All right, what's the... Teufelhunden. Yeah, Teufelhunden. Devil Dogs. Uh, and then, well, uh, yeah, uh, when he was afraid to get his hair wet, Randy Radar. Uh, it was the 100th anniversary of Bellow Wood. Matt in San Francisco, I'm so sorry. First you ruin a Stevie Nicks song, which now when I hear it, I think of a one-winged dove. <laughs> which now when I hear it, I think of a one-winged dove flying in circles. <laughs> Yelling, ooh, baby, ooh, said ooh. Now Trump in underoos. What did I ever do to you, lady? God, man, I'm so sorry. I, these are these are strange and terrible powers I have, and I'm not entirely in control of them. Oh yeah. I'll be back in a minute. Oh. Uh, some days you just, Matt, thanks some deity for you. <laughs> oh, you ruined a perfectly good Stevie Nicks song. Uh, 
And then, uh, just because they had some catching up to do today, because remember they, you know they they didn't they didn't work the end of the week last week. So it's it's just you know sometimes I get the idea that over at my filthy morning habit, uh, the MSNBC morning zoo crew winds up with a bigger stack than they can get through too, and so uh, they had to. They also had to deal with uh, Nitwit Nero's Thanksgiving address, if you can call it that. And that was fun, too. So in the early hours of Thanksgiving, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. oh, whoa, um, he wow. fired off this lengthy social media post, mm. blasting the president and all those involved in the New York civil fraud case against him, and wrote that the country had already, quote, gone to hell. Okay, well, that's not really, that's really not saying that we're the greatest country in the world, which most Americans think we are. So oh he God. says we've gone to hell, but he said that before. Happy Thanksgiving to all, including the racist and incompetent well, Attorney General of New York State, Letitia Peekaboo James, who has let murder and violent crime flourish Trump-hating judge, psycho, psycho defrauded, defrauded, proof, politically biased, my value, valuing my assets weaponized, on Thanksgiving Day. He's upset allowed about his our assets country to go to hell. Go to hell, weaponized. Rhinos, Whoa. Marxist Democrats, rhinos. Oh, have me on, Joe. Uh, Let me do the voice. Happy um, Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah, Trump continued exactly. to rip Biden on social media throughout the weekend while also mixing in attacks on Forbes, yeah. The Atlantic, yep. and anyone who had endorsed his Republican well, primary. Well, that's not opponents. very thankful, is it? But, you know, the thing is, well, let's just bring in people who elicited one of those raid Trumps oh by Trump. You should have done writer that. for The Atlantic and senior fellow at the Trinity Forum, Pete Wainer. You know, like everybody, His piece is you know, amazing. The thing is, people are usually enraged. Pete, you just look at Pete and you're like, that's a guy that that gets people like in the, in the bar fights. Well, just wait till like, you hear you what he wrote. That. Also president of the National Action Network and host of MSNBC's Politics Nation, the Reverend Al Sharpton, also former U.S. Senator, and now on NBC News and MSNBC political analyst Claire McCaskill. Claire. Claire, you know, before we go to Pete, because I don't want Pete and I to start fighting no, right off the bat, because so he obviously provokes people. But Claire... You know, I'm just, let's just say, talk about how sick to say that America is a rotten nation before you're president of the United States. American carnage. And then you become president of the United States. And America has four of the most tumultuous years later. And the second he leaves and is defeated by the American people, he goes back to saying that America sucks again. Like how grotesque the common denominator. How grotesque that Donald Trump only thinks America's great when Donald Trump's president. Yeah, um, because it, he doesn't care about his America nearly as much as he cares about himself. I mean, that's the you problem. Know, I'm sorry, Claire. Uh, I'm Claire. You could have stopped after America and could have just put a period there because there is no evidence None. over the last eight years that I've ever seen that shows that Donald Trump cares a damn about America. He just doesn't. He cares about himself. 
He cares about himself. He has no guiding philosophy, has no ideology. He has no policies he really believes in other than the guy. The only thing he believes in is the guy he sees in the mirror that he looks at probably more often than is ever healthy for any human being. And his marketing is all about grievance. He is a marketer. He's a huckster. He is somebody who knows how to market things, not make them, not build them, just market them. And he is marketed always just to grievance, never to unity, never to aspirational hope that we all want America to have, never pride in America, just grievance. So well, if you're yeah. thanking uh, on Thanksgiving, you should thank America for being uh, having values and you should thank people and hope they come together. All he wanted to do on Thanksgiving was make sure everyone knew that he was still really pissed off about everything and he wants to make sure they stay pissed off about everything. Well, you, you brought up something that's so important, Claire. Sorry because about that language. <laughs> what language? Oh, my God, it's well, so okay. much worse. Speaking of language, you should have heard me the first. No, please. For actually every okay. every second of the Alabama game until the oh final final God. throw. But but Claire, I'm so glad you talked about marketing because. Uh, the crisis we're going through right now where the world could really spiral into World War III, but it's not because a guy who's actually had 50 years of experience, it shows the contrast between a guy obsessed with marketing his brand, a guy obsessed with gestures, a guy who governed by gesture versus, well, Joe Biden, who has 50 years of experience. And when a deal goes sideways on the hostages, he can pick up the phone, he can call, he can get it done. When he meets with President Xi in a critical meeting, he can actually, they, they, they have experience. You know, they've got over a decade of experience working with each other when both of them were number two in their countries. Experience matters. And the contrast, and it makes me so angry when people are talking about, oh, Joe Biden, he's out of it, he's this. He, no, he's not. On Joe Biden's worst day, he's light years ahead of Donald Trump on policy, on politics, on diplomacy. Well, there's no question about that. And frankly, in, on mental capabilities, um, you know, yeah. the ageism thing is really look at the way Donald Trump behaves. Who is more unstable? Who is the one who, frankly, doesn't know where he is part of the time, doesn't know who he's running against, doesn't know what, what year it is, doesn't know world leaders and what countries they're from. Um, it is really, if you isolate his comments and look at them objectively, he's the one who is suffering from a problem. Damn it, damn it. Stephen Chung, get in here. You get a press statement out right now. I damn well do know who I'm running against, and I'm going to beat the shit out of Samuel Tilden. Like he would ever know who Samuel Tilden is. But it's, it's, it's not... It's not like this is anything new among Republican presidents. I'm so old, I can remember when old 666 himself, Ronald Wilson Reagan, told some interviewer, yeah, Will, yeah, Mommy, uh, yeah, I remember when I, I was an actor. Uh, somebody had asked him about uh, Grover Cleveland. 
I, I don't remember exactly the context. I just remember how far gone Ronnie was at the time. I remember when I played Grover Cleveland in a movie once. There was only one problem. He never did. Um. No. I'm trying to find the name of the movie. The Winning Team, 1952, a sport romance movie in which Ronald Reagan played Grover Cleveland Alexander. A baseball player. He starred alongside Doris Day. But by the time uh, his brain had begun to deteriorate, it became... I once played... Grover Cleveland. You know, I think when history, when historians start doing all this, look, we're going to, the historians are going to say, wow, look how many bullets the United States of America dodged and didn't even know they were dodging them. Uh, as for Nitwit Nero being a marketing genius, I, I have a feeling we're all the way under the fingernails of uh, Brother Deacon Asa. Marketing my ass! How well did he market Trump Taj Mahal? Where's the Trump shuttle? How well did he market the XFL? What's the marketing budget for Trump stakes? How well were the Trump Hotel in Toronto and Vancouver marketed? Both went out of business in under five years. <sighs> yeah, and uh, oh, where did I? There's a there's a hotel somewhere that's uh, I think go, join the it's either joining the Hilton chain or the Marriott chain, and one of the conditions precedent to them being able to do so was they had to ditch the name Trump International. Because it's toxic. 99.9% of maggots could not afford to stay in a Trump property, and 100% of Trump properties would not want them to. Because he despises them. Right? But uh, your point is your point is well taken, Brother Deacon. Uh, we have reached the end of the second hour of the program. Ralph's challenge, and and this is a big deal. Ralph's challenge. Uh, the uh, Swe uh, Swedish workers take on 
Elon Musk challenge for $25 is on the ta- table. And that would uh, take, uh, let's see, a total of, we'd have a total of $70 out of the 750 we need to raise in order to qualify for a true Happy Holidays tripling challenge, which results in like 1500 bucks to finish the month of November to the good. Uh, that's a very big deal. And so if someone would be so kind as to match Ralph's challenge, we could, uh, we'd have it down from seven, 750 to uh, uh, 680 to go. So if someone would do that, that would be wonderful. Again, third hour of the program, if you've got something on your mind, if I've missed a story, if there's something that's really burning you up, let me know. Easy to do. Stress line 844-843-4676. 844-THE-HORN. Uh, 304-574-8178. Get you in. And so does uh, Robin Kincaid Horn on Skype. Can't make it any easier than that. And from the department of so far out ahead of the curve, we're on straight road. I talked for a couple of weeks about the fact that I would guess that there were the two-thirds vote necessary, two-thirds of the House of Representatives necessary, not just to throw uh, George Anthony DeVolder um, uh, Ahwit Sotal Soros Santos Soros, really? Santos out of the House, but there's, pro- those vo- there's probably enough votes to do the same to Matt. It just get gates worse. And lo and behold, here we are. Sam Brody over at the Daily Beast reports that uh, Matt Gates' uh, popularity, for lack of a better term, over uh, among House Republicans is corkscrewing into the earth like a paralyzed falcon. And in fact, the ongoing ethics complaint against him has since expanded for what's being uh, described as a broader range of violations. And reporter Brody, Sam Brody, says that, uh, and this is funny, Craven McCarthy is uh, walking the halls of the house like a ghost determined to avenge his own murder. In interviews, McCarthy has kept alive the idea that Gates and his allies deserve punishment, warning gravely that the party won't heal if there's no consequences for the actions. Well, uh, Okay. I'm not sure that I want the party to heal. I don't think it actually can. But by the same token, I'm willing to take the risk. Don Bacon of Nebraska, uh, speaking to Brody, said that... uh, 
He's almost been involved in a fist fight with at least uh, with uh, with you know, at least two occasions. Bacon said, "Well, the anger's pretty well with him. Uh, uh, with him, I just think there will be long memories because he did serious damage to our house conference." Uh, and uh, talking to Fox News TV radio Rwanda. Uh, Craven McCarthy even said that, well, you know, uh, Gates is still being scrutinized by the Ethics Committee. Talking to Maria Bartiromo, uh, the uh, former squeaker of the House, said, once that ethics complaint comes forward, he could have the same problem as Santos, and I think the conference would probably be better united to move forward and get this all done. Honest to God, I could go to Washington, D.C. and go to work. But leave all this. I'm, what was it? Two, three? Uh, well, I mean, it's leading up to what? November 17th. That was 10 days ago. So that means we were talking about this at least three weeks ago. And I pointed out that there simply had to be someone inside the Republican Party who wanted to see the mutineer walk the plank. And here we are. Uh, Brody's report goes on to say, Ethics is looking into a much broader range of potential violations, many of which could be deeply embarrassing and reputation-harming for Gates, including an allegation that he showed inappropriate sexual content to colleagues on the House floor. Oh, God, he's such a gross little frat boy. And inside Florida... Matt, it just Gates versus approval rating stands at 21%. His disapprove is at 57. And uh, he's barely even inside his own party alone. You know. If you're here for the program, whether it's live or the podcast, you're going to hear things way before they actually happen. No, no, no. I'm not Gene Dixon. I, no. God, how old do you have to be to remember who Gene Dixon was? I'm not Gene Dixon. I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a my my, my face on the cover of the National Enquirer every two weeks. But, and, and this isn't magic. It's just, it's, it's, it's just a matter of synergy and intuition. Um, one, one anonymous Republican told Sam Brody, there aren't a lot of people who, you know, are going to go out of their way to defend Matt Gates. I mean, he's a pretty diabolical character. And how diabolical do you have to be to be deemed diabolical inside the maggot party? That's a lot of diabolism. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Matt says, I'll match Ralph's, uh, Ralph's $25 challenge and throw in another $25 ch- challenge out. Call it the one-wing dove challenge, Omar. If that's met, I'll throw in another 25 and another up to 100. Sort of a circular challenge, oh, Matt. <laughs> ooh, baby, ooh, said ooh. So, but, yeah, if you... If, so if somebody kicks in another $25 after Matt's, Matt's got 25 for that. And if there's another 25, Matt's got another 25. And the one winged dove is flying in a circle somewhere uh, somewhere between here and San Francisco. Sort of a circular challenge. Thank you, Matt. Thank God you left the underoos out of it. Let's uh, let's run over to the stress line and see who the, see who's there. Uh, hey, welcome to the program, I nom- Robin. I think I would nominate you for uh, the Samuel Tilton comment. Oh well, thank you. I mean, on what on what other radio program are you going to get that obscure reference? Um, Maybe we should change the name of the program to Radio Obscura. Well, that might work, but then who would see it? Wait, it's radio. Okay, not a visual. And media. it's obscure. Yes. How are you, lady? I'm okay. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving was nice, and then had a couple of de- had a couple of. De- it is. It is colder than the well diggers' ass here, Dave. Well, it's supposed to get down to 17 here in Indianapolis tonight. Well, you'll be you'll be you'll be two degrees worse than me. Well, I, I'm under three different blankets and a winter coat right now. Uh, I'm, so. <laughs> I, I have jammy bottoms on, a micro, oh, this is really bad, dirty radio with Robin Kincaid. I have jammy pants on, a micro fleece gown, and a micro fleece monk's robe on top of the, okay, it's a nun's robe now, okay? And Right. Does that make it a habitual problem? Yes, damn you, it does. <laughs> That's awful. Well, uh, on a lighter note, well, me, not lighter. Uh, Christine's been having problems with her trailer with the doors not closing, and they've been doing a lot of construction work around her trailer. And she thought it had done something to the trailer, and it did. Turns out the management company uh she told them, look, you guys did this. You need to pay for it. Well, uh, an expert came out, took a look at the, her frame, and said there was a three-and-a-half-inch crack in it, and it was causing it to tilt. That's and not good. Were, no, it's not, but it, it's still habitable, and they said they they believe they can fix it. So, I worry about that. You know how I feel about the word believe. Yes, I, but 
I asked Christine, I said, no, they're not asking you for money, are they? And she said, no, the management company is the one that's responsible for this. Yeah, they should be on the hook. And um, the, the guy came out, and he, not only did he help her uh, with that, but he has a permanently blind sister, and he helped her set up her iPhone. She was having a problem with her iPhone, and he helped her set it up so that she could use it, which I thought was awfully nice of him. That was awfully nice. And it, it won points for Christine, for sure. So, but, um, by the way, the birthday you're looking for for the Marine Corps is November 10th, 1775. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I usually wish any Marine that I've known over the years happy birthday on November 10th. But it also adds to my uh, my contention that the Germans surrendered on the 11th of November in 1918 as a belated birthday present to the United States Marine Corps. So there's that. Now, as far as Craven is concerned, well, they like to twist up what they call history. And and I think um, Kevers might have been... Uh, a tad asleep during, uh, he might have been taking his nap time during history classes or social studies or hell, even English. Um, but, uh, see, this is the problem with, with, uh, not teaching history warts and all. I'm not saying, you know, that you should take, like, first graders and dump them in the deep end of something like the Holocaust. Um, But um, I am saying there's a way to bring kids along uh, when studying history. There's some things they're going to understand and some things they're not. And some things that are age appropriate and some that aren't. But by the time they get into high school, you should be able to speak frankly about historical trends, things that were happening. And there's always new information coming out. This is one thing I learned from actual professional historians who are like, of course we revise things. As we get more information, we revise it. We correct uh, things that have been problematic over the years and as we get new information we update that information 
An example is Jefferson uh, uh, Jefferson and Sally Hemings, for example. Yes, yes. Actually, that's actually that's exactly yeah. Actually, that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, if it was just a rumor, why did he build her her own room and make sure it had no windows? So no one could hear her scream. Ta-da! But uh, the, the. I've been uh, listening to a couple of audio books. I've been listening to I, Claudius, and Claudius to God. And it goes into a lot of detail on um, Roman... uh, Attitudes toward things like slavery and things like that. And I heard it once described by someone as their attitude towards slaves were they were just machines. So that they would be indiscreet about talking in front of their slaves. And there were laws in Rome that a slave's testimony couldn't be admitted into court unless the slave was tortured. Uh, it sounds to me like when the rock hits the jug or the jug hits the rock, the jug gets it. So That's true, and that's a very good what analogy. The hell is it, what the hell is wrong with these uh, the Fucking editorial board. Um, they're, they're, they're sounding more like the uh, incels are us uh, bird liner, birdcage liner. I mean, what the defense, the defense is idiots. What, are they going to pass laws now that say, well, you that, over I, there in 20, you got to get married to somebody you hate? Well, yeah, it, and okay. then it's, 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 but it's beyond, it's beyond that, Dave. I thought that they were verging perilously close because there was that paragraph about, that's particularly noticeable among the whites. I thought they were verging perilously close on playing footsie with uh, great replacement theory. Or... Um, You know, God, when, when, if you know, if uh, I thought they were going to be advocating for uh, something like they had in uh, in Germany in, in in the 30s and 40s, where they send young girls off to places to get knocked up and have more babies for the Reich. You know. Uh, that that's where I thought they were going. Um, I I also recently uh, listened to Rachel Maddow's book Prelude, 
which is about the not-so-behind-the-scenes advocacy of right-wing groups who were playing more than just a little footsie with Adolf Hitler. And one of those individuals, and pardon me for not having the name, but the guy was invited to Germany, the fourth uh, party congress or, or whatever at Nuremberg, as a special guest of Hitler. And he asked some of the Nazi officials, well, why don't you treat the Jews like we treat the Negroes in the United States? And he was told flat out, you mind your business and we'll mind ours. And the irony of that is that this fascist fanboy had a white father and a black mother and he was white enough to pass. And they were talking about building a wall high enough to keep immigrants out and things like that. I mean, just some of the rhetoric they were using is exactly uh, what the what Donald Trump is using now. So I say you don't just call him a fascist, you call him a full-on fucking Nazi. A goose-stepping, swastika-loving Nazi. By the way, the term Nazi was one that Hitler absolutely abhorred because he preferred maybe referred to as uh, by their full by their full title in German and, and uh, he thought the term Nazi was derisive. But um, the, the the problem is, Robin, that with all this hand-wringing and pearl-clutching, I find it interesting that, and I'm glad to see it, that Joe Scarborough is speaking out, but four years ago, you know, when he and he and Mika were kissing up to Donald, yeah, they they they'd like for us to forget that. And you know, if if he had come out as strongly against Trump, then then I could, you know, I I could say, okay, you tried, but. No, they did everything, but, uh, you know, hold his hand the entire time. And, and now he sounds like a never-Trumper. I mean, and you know there had to be a meeting at, at MSNBC with the suit. 
about what he says on the air. You know, somebody hit the panic button when he started criticizing Trump. Because as allegedly... Well, remember, remember, the, remember the, the um, not immortal, but the uh, infamous words of Les Moonves over at the Tiffany Network... Donald Trump may not be good for America, but he's great for CBS. Yeah. And then about a year later, he got shit canned from CBS. Yeah. Yeah, because it turned out he was a freaking perv. And this surprises you how? Well, I mean, it doesn't. I think I think at this point it's a it's a job requirement for that level. Okay, what's your level of perversion? Really? You're hired. Yeah. Oh, by the by the way, you're getting called out a little bit, Dave. What? Brother Deacon Asa says, wait a minute. Dave said he was going to be avoiding politics for a while. Now he admits he was recently listening. Let Asa finish. All right. I'll let a brother deacon have, do his thing. Okay. Wait a minute. Dave said he was going to be avoiding politics for a while. Now he admits he was recently listening to Rachel Maddow's book. Why is Dave cheating on you with Rachel Maddow? I wasn't cheating. Much? I have trouble seeing print, so I use audio books. And besides, Brother Deacon, who are you to tell me what I can and cannot listen to? Please. Robin is not the only one I listen to. It's not like I listen to... Uh, it's poli That's a pun. That's shameful. I know that. But, all right. Let's not have an interesting war right here on the air. I'll uh, I'll let Brother Deacon Ace scream, holler, and complain all he wants. I just won't listen to him. Now, now. He's, well, brother, De, brother, 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 De, brother, De, it's just um, brother Deacon's playing. He, that, that was not that was not a serious complaint. No, I, I understand, and I I am saying it with as much snark as he is. So, at least we hold ourselves accountable, sort of, kind of. <laughs> So when are they when when are the uh, missing in action supposed to go back to work at the Capitol? I, I'm waiting for uh, uh, today uh, t- tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 George the uh, George Anthony Devolder Lady Ming the Ming yeah. the merciless Santos vote could be as early as tomorrow. One of the more interesting items the. Ethics committee dug up with 
Evidently, he had a honeymoon weekend in Vegas that he paid for with that money with he and his husband. So I'm like, can you imagine how that that discussion went? Well, honey, we're going to Vegas. Well, who's paying for it? It doesn't matter. I still have campaign money. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Um, what I found interesting uh, is the threat that he issued. The what did he issue? The threat. He said, uh, yeah, yeah, he said, well, I, he, he, he hinted that he would be more than happy to name names on members of the House who are cheating on their spouses. Oh, that's going to win in front and influence people. Well, do you remember what happened to uh, uh, little Maddie Cawthorn? Mm, no. Uh, he was the one-term mem- uh, maggot from uh, North Carolina who had the photos released of him in the really cute black lace bra uh, on a cruise ship. But then went on a podcast and said, yeah, I was surprised. I was invited to participate in cocaine-fueled orgies by some Republicans I'd really respected for a long time. And the next thing you know, he, he didn't even get out of his primary. His opponent had all the funding and support he needed. Yes. Yeah. And then there's little Matt Venmo Gates, um, who should have been bounced from the house years ago. Well, I still say that there's something fundamentally wrong with the people in his district, but that's me, you know, I'm a bitch. And who would have thought that the Republican Party and all of this blathering idiot could make the uh, National Enquirer look like a legitimate journalistic concern. They, they've got no uh, no care for the truth, no care for objective opinion, and no care for the greater good. It's all about how much money can we make, how many people can we hurt, and how cheaply can we do it. That's about the size of it. That's no political party, Robin. If you want my vote, you'd better convince me. Now, granted. But do you, you realize? Do you realize how? Do you realize how different that makes you? I think it's a generational thing. I, I think there is one thing that that um, editorial board brought out. They're focusing on Gen Z. I'm a couple of generations before that. You and I both are. Hmm? When civics was taught in school, we knew that there were 
There was the local government, the state government, and the federal government. And while they all interacted, they had their own responsibilities. Correct. You know, or that, how many times did you hear a teacher say when you were in school learning all this, Voting is the most one of the most important things a citizen can do. It, well, it was it was always taught to me not as a uh, it was not as a it's, a it's a civic obligation. Yes, it's a right, but anyone who takes right, their citizenship seriously votes. Like jury duty, yeah. if you're summoned to jury duty, I was. I actually got called in. Uh, into a jury pool one time and the the card said dress office appropriate shirt and tie at the very least for men and when I got there there were so many people in in, in pajama bottoms and and t-shirts and Basically, it looked like they'd rolled out of bed and just come to court. I got there, and uh, I was excused. But uh, I at least showed up in a suit and tie out of respect for the court. I had, you know, it wasn't a matter of... uh, what I felt comfortable in. I wasn't trying to get out of jury duty. I wanted to show that I had enough respect for the process because the jury pool I was in had a criminal defendant's future in potentially in my hands, and I take that very seriously. That is the most awesome and terrible power that an American citizen has. And for people to treat it like it's something to be dodged or shat on, I find absolutely sickening. I know, and next I'll be yelling, get off my lawn. Oh, I think that's okay. But I think it's generational. I honestly do. My nephew, my sister's youngest, is a uh, dyed-in-the-wool conservative at the tender age of 22. 22. As if he's had enough. As if he's had enough experience to be that cynical. I'm a cynic, but I I don't consider myself a, a right-wing douchebag. <laughs> By no stretch of the imagination. But, you know, he, he told my sister, who is even more liberal than I am, if you can believe it, um, that... And I evidently he thought she was criticizing him when she asked him to explain his position his, on a political issue. 
And he said, that's like saying I'm gay. And she said, I don't care if you're gay. Explain your position. I think the problem you know, is... I mean, that, 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 that feels a little bit like a non sequitur to me. Well, he uh, he got edu- miseducated at a uh, conservative Christian school in well, rural Delaware County, Indiana. Well, there's your problem. So that's why. But then, you know, like six months later, he got accused of trying to stab a woman in his dorm room. He didn't, but it, it was a, uh, this woman would not leave his dorm room and she got pushy on him and he stupidly pulled a knife to try and get her out. Now they never pressed charges, but they did try to throw him out of the university, uh, which he got reinstated, but I think the boy's got some serious issues that might need some medical help and big psychotropes might help. Um, but he's at an age where he doesn't want to listen to his parents you sure as hell doesn't want to hear it from me. About the only one he hangs out with is my little conservative maggot brother, so that could be another part of the problem. How's the dating game working out for your conservative maggot brother? Well, uh, he made the mistake of renting his house to the lady in question, and they ended up splitting up as soon as she signed the lease. Oops. Yep. Well, there it is. And he decided to rent out the house he is living in, except every other weekend when the guy has his daughter over. So he's part-time homeless by his own Stupidity. I mean, any well, that, 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 that has to be worrisome to you, and I, I'm I'm not making fun. Well, it's not that worrisome. I told him to uh, drive up, drive down here, and he could spend those weekends here, and we could tour around Indianapolis. I like hanging out with my brother because unless he's talking politics, he's actually a pretty fun guy to be around. I know. Um, I, I know people and, like that, Dave. I do. And Christine loves the guy. Uh, you know, uh, when uh, after we got married, she got her 100% service-connected disability, and I explained uh, the benefits that I had as her husband. And he goes. Where do I find a woman like that? <laughs> Christine chuckled. 
she said, I doubt there's anyone that would put up with you. You know, so. My, my, my brother is, you know, but if you, if you say anything bad about his god emperor, he goes absolutely fucking ballistic. So as his, as the older brother, I, I feel an obligation, Robin, to poke that bear, you know. Yes. I, I got it. Just extend my cane and go, poke. Donald Trump's an idiot. Poke. Ding, ding, uh, ding. You know. And how many STDs does he have? Ding. Are those spirochetes fluttering in his head? Ding. Well, it might not just be spirochetes. <laughs> there, there might be... Oh, a myriad of infections. But, uh, you know, maybe he wants to emulate his daddy enough to where he's just a, a blithering idiot when he dies. Which, by the way, Death, why are you so busy? Uh oh. It just feels like. People are discounting him because he told us way back in 2015 what he was like. He's been and telling us all his him. life. Yeah. He once told somebody, Barbara Walters or somebody, that he only carried $20 on him at any time. And I'm thinking, you can't even count that high. Well played. <laughs> Thank you. The llama is getting awfully damn tired these days. It's cold Poor outside. Thing. Are you feeding it? We're, we're, do, we're doing our best. I mean, she... She 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 grazes the mountainsides. Okay, well, and she got a good good winter coat to set her for one of those West Virginia. Oh yes, we cold. we we share yes. we okay. share in the we good. share in the spring. Good, good. I I once when I lived in Alaska. Saw two llamas on the loose. One was brown, one was white, and they were standing in such a way in a driveway that they were partially hidden. But you saw the back end of one and the front end of the other, so it looked like a, a, a llama with a brown head, neck, and a, and a white body. And then the bus passed where they were standing, and the driver called in and said, you guys might want to get some animal control out here. Uh, and sure enough, on the news, they, it was about them chasing down these two llamas. And Anchorage is just 
in the really it's in a in a set of foothills uh, near Cook Inlet, which you know when you were talking about dropping off good Puritans in California, I was thinking nah, I don't think so because Alaska didn't get reached by the English until Cook got up to where Anchorage right. is now. Yes. That's that's why the inlet there is called Cook Inlet. And I've been up there. That's one of the few places in the world where you can actually see a fjord that's not in Norway. And what it does, it kind of makes a tunnel out of the water as the tides go in and out. And with all the glacial runoff, the uh, water can be a turquoise blue. And in the spring, I, I swear, I swear to you, Robin, it's so green up there that it hurts your eyes. I mean, Alaska is one of those places on earth that you either love or you hate. There, there, there's no. I've never, I've never, I've never had a chance to find out. Oh, if you do, I suggest you go up around the Fourth of July in Anchorage, because when they set off the fireworks, it never gets completely dark at that time of year, but the sky turns a deep blue and the fireworks are amazing. It's like nothing you'll ever see. But being a hillbilly girl from a warmer climb, I would suggest you wear a nice warm jacket. Oh, Even I can in imagine. July. Yeah, oh, yes. Because you're not going to be ready for it. Oh, if I if if I ever even go to Chicago on the Fourth of July, I'm taking a nice warm jacket. Well, I'm taking a winter coat any time I go to Chicago. The last time I went to Chicago, we had to park near Lake Michigan, and there was snow coming off the lake. Well, that's what all this so, cold is supposed to be out now. This, be about now. This is the this is the first great lake effect storm of what will soon be the winter. And the night and the nice thing is well, here in let's see it's the 27th so 3 days. So somewhere around 26 days from now I can stop grieving and start celebrating the the uh, increase in the light. Well, I need a good I I just need a good pagan community, Dave. You know, I need a I need a I need 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 a good winter solstice celebration. I swear I'm not dancing naked in the moon. No, too cold. Well, um, you don't have a fireplace. No, we do not. Okay, so dragging a Yule log in would. Would be wind up, it would uh, dragging a yule log in would wind up in homelessness. Okay. 
Well, I'm not asking you to do that. Besides, where are you going to broadcast from? Ta-da! Yeah. That TV car? Right. No. Um, besides, the net would get rather cross with you. I, 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 think, I, think that is, I think that is a vast understatement, yes. <laughs> and, you know, I wouldn't blame her. <laughs> Frankly, if I was, if, no, nor I. Dave, you have yourself a wonderful evening. It's great to hear from you, my friend. Give All our best right, to Christine, then. please. I will, and I didn't ruin anybody's dinner. No. Look at me. I, th I think we, I think we avoided uh, any uh, dining interruptions whatsoever this evening, and well, maybe it's maybe that's just our my, my, our little holiday gift to the Horn Family Community Congregation. Right, and just make a note of it, Bill. I actually made it through a broadcast without ruining your snack, so. Exactly. I'll talk to you later, Robin. All right, Dave, you take care, my friend. Bye. Bye. How about Dave and the Blind out in Taliban, Indiana? Where they'll be two degrees colder than me tonight. Ugh. Yeah, it's like um, I, I I did my conversion because I can't do it in my head, you know, math. So I guess what uh, minus seven point two degrees Celsius tonight because metrics, yay. So a reminder: uh, Matt in San Francisco has the one wing dove <laughs> circular challenge on the table. And uh, there's two, uh, so if uh, two people will kick in 25 bucks, Matt will kick in 50 more, and that'll mean that uh, we will be down to what? What six? Uh, we'll be down to 580 that we need to raise for the massive tripling challenge that's on the table, that will result in us finishing the month of November fully funded, and that uh, that that's just a, an opportunity that's. Uh, profound, let's just say profound. And thank you to our kind anonymous internet friend for making it. I mentioned uh, George Anthony DeVolder. Uh, oh, God, I'm running out of Monarch Santos. I need a list. This is, this is approaching the, the complications of... Uh, uh, horn nutraceuticals of years gone by. But there are no votes scheduled for Wednesday. That's the earliest that the vote could take place. I misspoke. It's not t tomorrow. It's Wednesday. And if, uh, if they bounce him, he'll be the first member of the House to be thrown out without being convicted of a crime since the Civil War. I can't help but wonder if it's a violation of some sort of law for him to do what he did, namely uh, saying uh, that he will... Uh, uh, and it was Friday night uh, on... Uh, that website formerly known as Twitter, uh, he swore, I'm not going anywhere. I know I'm going to get expelled when this expulsion resolution goes to the floor. I've done the math over and over, and it doesn't look really good. 
but then he issued what can be called a threat. Um, but he said, uh, <laughs> this is cute. Uh, he, he pogo sticked up onto the cross. I should have gone into this with Dave because he might have gotten on, gotten on the blower to Gladys down there at the uh, at the shop. Uh, but he said uh, he just he he said, "Well, there I was. I was a Republican it girl, and now I've gone all the way to the Mary Magdalene of the United States Congress." He spare me. Tony. But then he said this. They all act like they're in ivory towers with white pointy hats and they're untouchable. Well, the white pointy hats is probably correct. Within the ranks of the United States Congress, there's felons galore. There's people with all sorts of shysty backgrounds. These people need to understand it's done when I say it's done and when I want it to be done, not when they want it to be done. That's kind of where we are there. But with that, that, that one... George, are you on hormones, honey? That that sweater. Um, so so no, he he appears to be considering dropping the dime. On some uh, skeevy conduct, and to the extent that it takes in Republicans, I'm here for it because I can't imagine there are Democrats uh, out there who have hung out with uh, with Jorge and about whose lives he knows anything. And this, just to sort of wrap things up. This is just weird. Back on September 23rd, 2022, a guy named Peter Antonacci went to a meeting with Florida Governor Ron Monkeyup DeClantis. He left the room... And, and it's visible on security footage. And Peter Antonacci, by the way, was the guy that Monkey Up had tapped to run his elections fraud unit. Dum dum. And he walked out of the meeting and dropped dead in the governor's office. And he laid there, dead, for 24 minutes, and nobody did, and this is a complicated medical term, dick. And in an attempt to, I suppose, mitigate the optics, uh, Florida folks in the Capitol, that's where the governor's office is, said, 
Well, he died while at work in the Capitol building, of which the governor's office is a part. Well, yes, that's that's true. But he died in the part of the Capitol that was the governor's office. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement said, At approximately 1.46 p.m., Mr. Antonacci is observed standing up and walking out of the conference room. He studies himself on the left wall, the hall, when he falls and appears to strike his head on the door on the redacted. There appear to be no foul play in the room or hallway. At approximately 2.10.05 p.m., FDL uh, uh, Commissioner Glass appears to notice Antonacci down the hallway to his aid. What? So a staffer called 911 and said, somebody's doing CPR, and we can't find the defibrillator. Uh, Maybe he had a heart attack. So an an, an outfit, uh, some pixel-stained wretches at the uh, Florida Bulldog, good on you, filed a public records request all the way back in February when somebody tipped him and said, uh, Antonacci died in the governor's office, y'all. And they finally, here in November of 2023, you know, yeah, nine months later, uh, published a report saying, by the time Capitol Police Officer arrived a minute or two later and hooked the pulseless Antonacci up to an automated external defibrillator, the machine that can administer a life-saving electrical shock to victims of sudden cardiac arrest, assessed Antonacci and advised that no shock was needed. Dead, Jim. And then Florida Department of Law Enforcement Chief of Staff Shane DeGuin said, I knew there was an emergency because I heard the thud of him hitting the floor. And about 25 minutes later, I heard Glass shouting for help. What the hell kind of creepy, uh, creepy old empty... Um, in the governor's office. Boom, uh, Oh, no, he's pining for the fjords. So the Florida Bulldog interviewed a Florida medical examiner and said, Ah, you know, um, I'm wondering why he didn't go through the medical examiner's office seeing that he died in the governor's office. Wouldn't they want to do that just to CYA? I mean, gosh, Lawton Childs died at the executive mansion, and he went through the medical examiner's office. Uh, the medical examiner said, I... I'm sure monkey up new 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 nothing nothing nothing. So that's the program. Of course, monkey up's campaign is <sighs> appears to be dying a rather painful and unmourned death. Uh, uh, Brother Deacon says uh, there's only one explanation for this mysterious death into Satan's office. Hillary Clinton was in that office at the time. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. <sighs> Mom, there's a dead flack on the landing. Don't try the soup says Randy Radar, I'll be here all week. Yes, that was the dum-dum law and order sound, Ralphs. <laughs> I couldn't resist. 
All right, so uh, herein ends the last Moran Monday of November 2023. Uh, please remember, we've got 50 more dollars in challenges in a desperate effort to raise $750 for a monumental $1,500 tripling challenge. I hope uh, I hope folks will respond. Thank you. Thanks to our PayPal and Patreon subscribers. Thank you to our and yay, we've got a PayPal subscriber for the twenty seventh. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Smitty. And uh, thank you to our a la carte contributors and our challenge creators. Thank you to each and every one of you who shares your precious, finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thank you so much to our all-volunteer staff. Uh, Roger, by the way, pointing out when we were talking about the Marine Corps' birthday, so to speak, Roger said, uh, Marines founded November 10, 1775, disbanded September 3, 1783, reformed July 11, 1798, Coast Guard founded August 4, 1790, Marines 233 years, Coast Guard 233 years, so when the Marines claim 248 years, they're blowing smoke up your ass, they're claiming 15 years that they didn't even exist, no wonder why so many of them vote Republican. Ooh, them's fighting words. I, I will be expecting a fairly prompt rejoinder from... <laughs> Our dear friend Mark in Florida. Hi, Mark. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend, however you chose to celebrate it or not. Uh, thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. Head on dot live. Remember, like and subscribe to the podcast, please, if you're a podcast member of the community, and many of you are. Um. Please maybe leave a comment here and there because it help, it really does aid in the visibility of the program on the various and sundry platforms. Thanks, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20 plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia. A most proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your booster, get your flu shot, get your RSV vaccine. Wear your mask when you're around big groups, uh, larger groups, especially if you know there's any maggots in them. Because, well, we know how it goes with them, don't we? Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer. Carry something with you, pocket or purse. Or European-style messenger bag. Maintain your social distance where possible. Depending on where you are in the country, stay warm. And if, uh, well, if George Tony, Jorge Tony comes toward you babbling about, oh, I'm going to tell you about the shysties, avoid him like the plague, because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Later.